Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Tuesday morning. We welcome all of you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. I mean, we've got them loaded in here. It looks like, um, for people anyway, it looks like Noah's Ark in here. Animals, people, lining up two by two for our show today. <laughs> Casey, Paul, Jacob, Elliot, Reed, Trace. Good morning to all. Oh, good morning, Tom. It's going to be fun. Morning, Tom. If this was Noah's Ark, we wouldn't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? We're missing something. What are we missing? Well, there's two by two that went into the right, Noah's right, Ark. Right. Well, I could categorize all of you in groups of two by two as I look around. Two there, two there, two there, right? Well, if the goal is to repopulate the planet, I don't think we're going to get there. <laughs> we might have a problem there. <laughs> we, we might be in trouble there. Case, you all right today? I mean, settled in, one day back, cold deal. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good, Tom. Uh, there was some good, well, I, I don't know if it was completely good, but there was some Bengals news. The Reds snuck away with a sneaky win last night. I think it's a good day to be a Cincinnati fan. All right, help me with the Bengals news. What did I miss there? The Reds. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Jonah Williams. He reported to mandatory. That we, yes. Uh, okay. I thought there was something right. He is here today, and that is really good news. And I don't think anybody's surprised by that. I mean, we, we thought all along that when it mattered, uh, he was going to be here. He's built up a lot of equity in his town. You may not think he's the greatest player of all time, but the guy is a gamer. We've said that about him from day one. He dislocates a kneecap last year. First go-round, doesn't miss a snap. He comes back and plays. Might not have played great, but he played, right? Right. Okay, and now, you know, he's made it very clear how he feels about um, not being the left tackle anymore, and now he has shown up and ready to prove that he should be the starting right tackle for this year. But we come your way Monday through Friday, 10 A to 12. P. You got it. That's Eastern time. You can join us on YouTube, and many of you already here. I mean, lined up for crying out loud. Our Chatterbox Sports page. If you'd rather join us later in podcast form, by all means, just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman, and you're dialed in. Tell you what, Redlegs are playing good baseball. Now, some of you are saying, duh, okay? But, but here's what I mean. They're not just winning games. But they're playing good baseball. Let me correct myself. Their starting pitching stinks. I mean, it stinks. Outside of an Abbott start here or there, a Hunter Green start here or there, the starting pitching stinks. We can all agree on that, okay? Don't get offended. We can all agree on that. But, you know, they, they find a way to keep winning, okay? And if the pitching doesn't get better, they're not going to keep winning. But it's hard to dismiss. Their defense is certainly getting a lot better. They are moving runners over, whether it be with bunts, which of course sends the analytics crowd off the reservation, or whether they're doing it with ground balls. Okay, case in point last night, the 10th inning, right? You start with the runner at second. He may not have meant to do it. I don't know if he meant to do it or not. Knowing Matt McClain, what we've seen so far, you would think he meant to do it. He advances a runner, and then when you get him there, you get him in. You find a way. Big runs, important runs, come from behind runs, runs that are the difference between winning and losing. All of those things played a part 
in last night's win, a 5-4 decision in 10 innings over Kansas City. Starting pitching wasn't good. The team rallied with big hits. They advanced runners with bunts and ground balls. And all in all, a good night. And how about this dude named Ricky Karcher? Right? He makes his major league debut last night. He's brought up from AAA. Try this on for size for a minute. He has pitched 22 innings in AAA this year. He has allowed 57 base runners in 22 innings. 35 walks and a bunch of hits. His ERA was north of 10. But all he does is come in in his major league debut and get the save because Alexis Diaz was unavailable. He throws 21 pitches. Nine of them were strikes. And I'm not sure he had that many. So that makes you wonder if something might be brewing for this Reds team here in 2023. So far now, it's 3-1 and one on this nine-game road trip through St. Louis, Kansas City, and Houston. Reds are three games under 500, three and a half back in the Central. Game two of the series tonight, Brandon Williamson opposes Jordan Lyle. In 47 years, the Denver Nuggets, they've been playing in the NBA, and not once has the franchise ever won a title. Well, you can't say that anymore. Nuggets finish off the Miami Heat four games to one, and they do it in front of their home crowd last night, 94-89 the final. Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Now think about this. Think about great teammates of all time in the history of the NBA Finals. Okay? You can talk about Kareem and Magic. You can talk about Kobe and Shaq. You can talk about Bird and three or four dudes on his team, right? They become the first teammates ever in finals history to average 25 points, five rebounds, and five assists, and they average a lot more than that in all those categories. Jokic, named the MVP of the series, becomes the first player ever, ever, to lead all players in points, rebounds, and assists in a single postseason. And as Jeff Hobson reported this morning, Casey just mentioned it, Jonah Williams is here. And so, um, fellas, let's get right to it. We got big numbers in the chat today. A lot of people worked up. Boy, a lot of people worked up. About yesterday. A lot of people fired up. About our show yesterday and me talking about Joey Votto and the clip that went out on Twitter and then we took it back off and... Trace Fowler, our boss, comes on and says we're going to talk about it today. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about some of that. But first, the red legs from last night. Gentlemen, impressions. Well, Casey, I, I have a lot of thoughts. Well, uh, I'm just going to share the same sentiment that Trace and Kirby had last night. How in the world did they win that game? <laughs> yeah. I have something to show really quickly, which is just the the – the chart. Hell yeah. For Richie Karcher. I want you to look at this. And he threw nine strikes. But he didn't even really throw nine strikes. He only threw six because two of them were bunts that the batters threw in front of their face. The bat to just get out of the way. And then one of those nine strikes was a pitch clock violation. So he really only threw <laughs> six. <laughs> I mean, how in the world did we win that? How? I, I'm completely blown away by it. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of those games, I think you mentioned it in your monologue, Tom, where you said maybe the Reds have something brewing. The Reds were down 3-1. to one. I had to take a phone call. I go upstairs. I'm, I'm talking to doing some wedding stuff. I come back downstairs. It's 3-3, three to three, and I'm just thinking, all right, 
at some point here with the Reds, you just have this feeling like they're going to get down. They've dug themselves into these holes time and time and time again. And then they just find a way to dig themselves out of it. And then there they are competing in the ninth inning, competing in the 10th inning. They did blow their opportunities. I, a lot of people had a lot of different opinions on, on Will Benson and whether he should have tried for third. He probably could have had third if his base running would have been a little bit better. He chopped his feet coming around second. Yep, yep. Um, you know, Jeff Brantley was pointing out some of that base running going into third base. He looked a little caught in between. If he had been more assured of himself going around second into third, he might have had that triple anyway, and he was close even on the swim tag. So, you know, I, I, I just – there were there – were, Plenty of opportunities last night for the Reds to win that by two, three, four runs. All you got to do is win it by one. That's and right. They won it by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Kirby brings up an excellent point. Four of the last five wins have been comeback wins. 21 on the season now, most in the MLB. The Reds are really fun to watch. They're really fun to watch. And that's what we wanted, right? That's what we were all hoping for this season. And they're delivering. Now – and then that's where you say, okay, if there's four of the last five that are come from behind wins, you you know you take a glass half full and you say, well, that just means they're learning how to win. They're they're never giving up. They're fighting from behind. They're rallying. They're scrapping. They're clawing. They're winning games. The glass half empty fan would say that's not a sustainable method of success over the long run of a season well, in a big see, sample I, size. I don't think it's a case of. And again, this is where you get into. And we were talking about this, yelling and screaming in the studio beforehand. I don't think it's a matter of charging someone of being a glass half full guy or a glass half empty guy. You can have a glass of water that contains all of this stuff and you wouldn't be wrong. It doesn't make you a fan and over the top. It doesn't make you a hater on the other side. What I just said in the monologue, those are facts. They can't be disputed. The Reds' starting pitching is abysmal. Now, you can sit here and tell me that this guy's going to be this and this guy's going to be that. And you know what? You might be right. But as we sit here today, just like, Paul, what you were saying about the way they find a way to score runs and win games and the way they run the bases, they are an exciting team. It's like Casey said, they're fun to watch. That's true, too. So it doesn't make you uh, 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 some better fan than everybody else if you look at it as you choose to look at it, which is they're doing A, B, and C really well, but we're going to ignore the other ones. But it also doesn't make you some negative whatever guy if you tend to say, okay, you know, these other things are true, especially as it pertains to the starting pitching. The, the most ardent Reds fan cannot argue this. You have to be worried about what's going to happen to this bullpen if this starting pitching does not get straightened out. There are all many, look, they have gone to the well in AAA. Reed, Trace, chime in on this because you guys are baseball guys, yeah. right? Yeah. They have already gone down to the well, and Ricky Karcher is the best example you could give, right? Mm-hmm. They continue to shuttle guys up and down from AAA. Because guys are getting tired. They're being used every night in the fourth, fifth inning to, 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 to try to cover. You know, I mean, they left Lively out there to get his brains beat in the other night. And God bless him for doing it. Mm-hmm. That he stayed in the game and just gave him some innings and gave him some outs so you didn't have to use a bullpen. 
for four and five innings in a game. But Karcher is the perfect example. They're bringing this guy up despite 57 base runners allowed in 22. That's not exactly the kind of guy you bring up from AAA, right? But there are options down there now. Yes, when, when, you, when your starting pitching doesn't go deep in games, it opens up a, a slew of problems and opens up uh, you know, some, some deep rosters, some, some deep depth problems, and eventually that stuff's going to catch up to you. So something needs to be found, uh, figured out on the front end of the pitching staff if the success that they're currently experiencing is going to want to continue. Yeah, I mean, that's why Karcher was in the game last night, right? I mean, there was a, there's a little bit of a ploy or there's a little bit of a question mark as to why Diaz can't throw again or maybe if uh, Lucas Sims wasn't available last night. There's guys that, that we all know that, the, that were sitting in the Reds' bullpen last night that were a better option than Karcher. But David Bell's doing his best, or at least yep. the best that he knows how, to try to, to save and preserve some of these better arms that he has even if it means sacrificing a win here and there. doesn't mean David Bell, I don't think, wants to win the game, right? Like last night, clearly, we, we talked about this briefly, Tom. I don't know if we want to get into it, but Diaz did throw in non-save situations a few nights ago, largely because he hadn't had gotten a, much, a, a lot of work, and then he had to come in the next day and then save a one-run game, and then he has to turn around tonight and sit, or last night, I should say, and he wasn't available. So, you know, you could play devil's advocate like we have done where you could say, well, if he wouldn't have thrown Saturday, then he would have been available last night to throw. But he did give up some runs on Saturday. Maybe that was from Rust. Who knows? But your point is well taken. Is this sustainable? I don't know. But I think I also do harpen back to perspective in life is pretty much everything, Tom. This team wasn't supposed to be good. Yep. They're supposed to win 65 games. Will they exceed that? You'd like to think they will. But... At the end of it, the young guys are playing well. The rookies that you were hoping that you had, the things that weren't, you know, you've said it time and time again, Tom, they're all prospects till they come to the big leagues and prove themselves. Yep. You can be as good as you want in AAA and AA. doesn't matter. You get up to the big leagues, we'll find out what you're really made of. I'm not saying they're, 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 they're not to segue into it, but I'm not saying they're Hall, Hall of Fame worthy players already. Sure. But McLean, Ellie, Steer, Abbott, all these guys that have come up, you couldn't have asked for a better start. No doubt. And we'll see where it goes. But as a Reds fan, it's nice to see. It's nice to be relevant. And it felt like uh, this is the first time in you know at least a couple of years where it seems like there's something to watch in the middle of the summer. Well, look, we all thought, right? I mean, let's be honest about it here. We talked about it a lot on the show. I mean, all of us thought, and there was a reason to think this, that you knew this pipeline of players, you knew they were coming up, and you knew they were going to get a chance to come up this year. That we knew. But we also knew what they were last year. And, you know, so I don't think anybody in their right mind would have thought two things. One, I wouldn't have. I mean, I'll be the first to admit I'm wrong on it. I wouldn't have thought they'd be three games under 500, roughly 70 games into the year. I didn't think they'd be there. 70 in. I mean, you're, you know. You, you, you're getting down the trail a little bit. We're closing in on the halfway mark, and they're three games under. I also didn't think that this division would be this bad. You know, and again, I don't apologize for it. You play in it, good for you, right? I mean, we talked about the Mets yesterday and all they're going through, and they have to go to the owner and have a sit-down extended interview with Stephen Cohen about who he's going to fire. They're three games under 500, mm -hmm. but they're 10 back, right? So you don't yeah. apologize for the division that you play in. The question is, what do you do now? 
that rhetorical? I'm asking your guys' thoughts. We bandied this about a little bit last week. Here you are, second week of June. You're three and a half games out of first. You're only two and a half behind Milwaukee. I don't know what the hell is going on in Milwaukee. I mean, they just get swept by the Oakland A's. Whew. A's are hot. Oh, they're still the A's. Six in a row, Tom. Six in a row. Six in a row. I understand. And, I mean, you know, look, they got that fan reverse boycott thing going. Yeah. That's a whole different topic. I mean, you talk about tired. That, anyway, they've been showing up for 20 years, and now all of a sudden we're going to show the owner. We start showing up the games. But, anyway, back to the, the, the point at hand, right? Um, and they've had good teams, by the way, during that stretch. Really good teams in some cases. But, what, you know, what do you guys think? What now? If you are the Reds, are you actively considering, if not already, on the horn? Looking I don't, around for potential trades you can make to try and win in 2023. I, I, I don't think that much changes. I, I know that people want to have some kind of, you know, this magic potion or answer is to being able to find a way to be competitive. They're already playing competitive baseball. They're already in the mix. You couple that with the fact that the issues that they really have, Tom, are ones that you can't really fix overnight. I mean, you're not going to go out and find three starting pitchers that are going to be relevant enough to keep you within a pennant race. And I'm not saying that they couldn't, you know, possibly go pay for some guys and, and, and just do cash consideration type stuff. But for the most part, Tom, you, you know as well as anybody, there's not going to be a direct answer. This team's not like a closer away from being elite. They're not – they are – they have an elite closer. Let me be clear. But I'm saying like, there's not a deficiency that they have that you – I think you can just easily clean up, right? Uh, and you're not going to mortgage the future or anything crazy for something like, you know, where we're at now. They're, let's be honest. Again, I'll, I'll talk I'll, – I'll, I'll, I'll admit that maybe this is why I get the name Toxic Trace, Tom. They're, they're, they're three games under 500. okay? Let's right. not forget that. Right. The reason that we're talking about them being relevant in regards to playoff baseball is because of their division. And yes, they're only two and a half out of the wild card, but that speaks more volumes, in my opinion, of the league itself and the fact that this is the first year in Major League Baseball. I think it's the first year. If not, it's the second year. That everybody plays everybody. Yep. Right? No longer That's do you right. have 19 division games against one team. You get to play everybody. So there's more of an even balance NFL yep. style-ish. That's right. Way that Major League Baseball happens. So you see leagues in general overall possibly be a little more lopsided than you would have in the past. Records per se. So I'm not going to get over my heels, if you will, on, on trying to figure out a solution when I don't really think that there is a solution that they could find this quickly. And I know people might hate that answer, but this team was not supposed to be relevant. They are. We're ahead of schedule. Tom, if anything, I think that the next big decision this franchise has is, is are they going to cut guys or get rid of guys that they paid in the offseason, a la Will Myers? Are they going to move on from guys like Kevin Newman at the deadline? What do they do with India? Those are the types of things I think that are more relevant than what are they going to do at the deadline? What are they going to do to try to shore up whatever holes they might have this year? Right? They have 13 position players, Tom, that you could argue all deserve somewhat of an opportunity in this lineup. And as you know, as well as anybody, there's only, there's only eight positions out there besides pitcher that you can play. 
I'm just looking up something for a second because, you know, you are a guy who just hammers Kevin Newman. Kevin Newman's been playing great, Tom. He has been. Been playing really good. Listen, I I am somebody that I like to pride myself and think that if I'm wrong on somebody or they change their ways, I could be somebody that can admit to say that they aren't who I thought they were. Kevin Newman has played really good baseball. I, I think he's actually one of the few guys I'd like to keep around. Yeah, I mean, he gives you he gives you a lot of options. Will Myers is the guy I got to be honest. He got to go. I, mean, I know we paid him. Okay, I know we paid him. Let me ask you this: What about what about what about Senzel? Yeah, that's another good point. But he had one good week, Tom. Like that's the other thing. Like I I want Senzel to be as successful as anybody. But I I am tired of watching this franchise have players that are super streaky. And I have nothing against Jay Bruce, but Jay Bruce is the only thing I would knock Jay Bruce on is that's how it felt with him at times. It's like, this guy could be the best baseball player on planet Earth for a month and then almost be the worst baseball player in the league a month the, the, the next month. Yep. And I'm not saying Senzel's that guy, but he's very... I'm not trying to say bad things about Senzel. I think he cares. He's busted his tail to get back. He's been hurt. You can't control that for the most part. But he's just a, a very inconsistent player. All right, if you had to go to the post tomorrow, mm-hmm. game one of a playoff series, yeah. okay? You had to go to the post tomorrow, and, and you'll see where I'm going with this once we move down the trail a little bit on this. Do we all agree that you would probably have an infield third to first of De La Cruz, McLean, India, Steer? All in agreement there? 100%. Yep. Yeah? 100%. If you had to go to the post tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. You would have Stevenson as the team is aligned right now. You would have him as your DH. See, that's where this is wild because I think CES is the – No, 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 no. I'm talking about the roster right now. I'm at the guys that are here now. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to include for a minute, okay, on this whole debate. I'm going to include – I'm going to put – I'm going to put Senzel on the active roster okay. just for the sake of this discussion. Sure. Okay, fair enough. Everybody, Paul, yep. Casey, all the yep. way in. Yep. Okay, yep. you with me on that, Paul? That would be third to first? Yeah. De La Cruz, McLean, India, Steer. Yeah. If you had to play in a playoff yes. tomorrow. Yes, okay. Okay. yes. All right. And, and the outfield, you mix them and match them however, whatever you want to do. Okay, however you want to do it, you know who's who's available out there. You know who you'd start on any given day. Some guys have had nice little stretches. Fairchild has, Senzel has, even though he's played more third than he has in the outfield. But we know he can play the outfield. Yeah. Fraley, when he's healthy, I'm putting him in there too. Friedel, okay, that yep. group. You're gonna have some combination of that group out there in the outfield. Stevenson would be your DH, and probably just for defense starters, ERA. You know, looking inside some of the numbers, you're going to have either Casale or Maley behind the plate. Fair? Yeah. Yes, Paul? Yeah. Okay. Trace? Yeah, no, it's fair. Okay. All right. This is where I'm going with all this. So if you wanted to consider, consider going out, and, and, and I used the example yesterday. And look, I know there's some guys that, like uh, Nick Kirby, who throws in names like Lance Lynn, who's had an excellent major league, very good major league career. Time's great major league career. But I'm going to use, you know, just as an example, because we saw it here with the Reds, of a guy like Trevor Bauer. 
Now, there may not be guys out there right now that you could get that are as good as Trevor Bauer, but Trevor Bauer, the year the Reds made the deal for him, was not pitching well in Cleveland at all. He was having a bad year. He was having issues with his teammates. He was having issues with his manager. There was a lot going on with Trevor Bauer. There was some baggage there. But you knew that this guy cared and wanted to be great and was going to do anything he possibly could, right, under God's blue skies to try and figure it out and get better. So you knew when you made the deal for him that you were going to get a guy who was hungry and wanted to be great. Oh, and by the way, he's under a good price tag for the following year. You got to give up something to get something. Sooner or later, whether it's this year or whether it's during the offseason or whether it's next year, if the Reds want to get to where they're going to get, where they want to get, which is ultimately competing for a divisional championship and, and certainly a, a much greater desire to play and win a World Series. You're going to have to trade somebody. Somebody's got to go, right? Somebody's got to go. So why not, I would make the argument, why not consider one of these guys in the minor leagues right now who's a big prospect? Now, Encarnacion Strand, I might, I might avoid moving him just because he's at the highest level of minor league baseball and tearing it up, mm-hmm. okay? Whereas some of these other guys, it's still single A, still, still double A, okay? Low A. If I can win right now as bad as my franchise has been and where I am with my fan base, there are a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon right now because they're exciting. And like Casey said, they're fun to watch. But there are a lot of people that are still like, are they really trying to win? Are they going to try to win? Right? There are a lot of those guys out there. Agree? Yes, but I don't think those are all valid, if we're being completely frank. I'm not trying to be a stand for the ownership, but they've they've went out and spent money at times. You could argue Yes, they have. I agree. You could argue that they've spent it in the wrong places. I agree. You could argue that they made bad decisions. Yep. Uh, not to jump into the Votto thing, but they spent a lot of money on Votto. Many argue whether that was a good decision or bad decision. That's irrelevant. But they also went out and spent money at the uh, with Mustakas and Castellanos. Um they 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 have spent money at times in this franchise. Yes. Um so I don't think it's always like they they never are willing to spend some money. I think it's more or less to your point, Tom, the 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 moves in and, and listen, you can spend all the money in the world, the Mets are still, you know, they have the same record as the Reds. Yep. So it doesn't always mean just because you spend money you're gonna have success. You have a high likelihood. We all know that. But Tom, I don't I just don't maybe I'm off base here, but I just don't think that the answer is to go and start to sell guys on the farm because, uh, and this is, this is, I think this is a very realistic take, not, not to try to be a pessimistic fan, but Tom, what are we, what, what's the ultimate goal anyways? Like, are we just trying to win one playoff game? Are we trying to win a series? Are we going to be realistic and tell ourselves straight to our face that we're going to be able to go up against like the Yankees or the Dodgers? No, but let me ask you, but let me ask you, but let me ask you this. Do you think, do you, I mean, look, you know, you say that, Okay, and I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket. Now, the Yankees came in here, and they kicked the Reds' tail all over the field, right? But the Dodgers just rolled in here, and the Reds beat them two out of three. So, again, I'm not going to say, well, that means the Reds will beat the Dodgers in the seven games. I'm not saying that. 
In fact, everybody in their right mind would bet against the Reds to lose in a best-of-seven series today against the Dodgers. If you had to bet on it, you'd bet for them to lose, right? right? But the point is, you beat them when you played them. Now, you're going to play them again in July. You beat them without Lodolo. You beat them with Ashcraft, who's not pitching good. You beat them with, with you know, I mean, Abbott was like, you, you beat them with a bunch of guys that you, you're kind of looking, guys you just brought up to the major leagues. Is one minor league player not expendable to try and get into a division series this year and roll the dice and, seems what, and see what happens? One minor league player? You mean to tell me? And look, that minor league player might turn out to be Willie Mays. I don't know. But they don't know either. And the team is trading for him doesn't know either. Are you going to not move a guy this year with a chance to get to the playoffs and who knows what happens when you get there? Maybe by then Lodolo's back. Maybe by then Green's dealing. Maybe by then Andrew Abbott's in the conversation for the rookie pitcher of the year. And now you're rolling into a best of five, best of seven, and those three guys are ready to roll. You got the best closer in the league. Is one minor league player going to keep me from trying to do that? It's always a price, Tom. You yeah, said it. Right. You said it a thousand times over and over again. And with with the India situation, with anybody, there's always a price. It depends on what you get in return. The only thing I would say is I don't want to be the Twins, because. I'm sure right now that they got some people in their organization that are scratching their head looking over at the Reds and saying they got Spencer Steer and CES for Tyler Malley. And Tyler Malley was having a good year. But still, yep. that's, a pretty, that's a pretty steep price to pay just because you're trying to get one arm. I, th I think there's still so many question marks around the, the Reds roster as a whole, right? That yep. if you don't – I don't – want to, to trade the future away until we're sure where they need to sure up. And I know we can look at it right now and be like, the, the starting pitching is terrible, but there's still young talent there that, you know, maybe next year these guys figure it out and these starting pitchers pitch great. Or even at the end of this year, they pitch great. And I just feel incredibly hesitant trading away the future for a lot of smoke on the roster as a whole. I'm not talking about trading away the future. I'm talking about well, if you're if, if one minor league guy out of all of these guys you have, and I don't know who that guy is. Like I said, I take Encarnacion Strand out of the mix. But, I mean, you know, for if you could get Bieber in here? For, for, for four months, though, three months? I think you'd have him under control for next year, I think. I could be wrong on that. At it. I'll look do you, well, let me post this back to you then, Tom. Do you think that if you were to get somebody, it would have to be like a Bauer situation where you would have team control for one more year yes. outside of just this year? You're, not, you're, not, you're not giving away anybody to run a player for four months, That's right? That's right. Unless, fair. unless. Now, here is where now you want to talk about really stepping out there. Oh, no. This is really stepping out there. Would you sign Trevor Bauer? He hasn't been throwing well in Japan, but I also think that there's some val some validity to the fact that if you look at his stuff, if you're a stuff guy, if you're an analytical person that believes in spin rates and all that, his spin rates and all the things that he's doing has been just as good as he has been in his entire career. He hadn't pitched in two years. And, and he's been over in Japan, and he's not been great. But I don't know. 
Does that does that change the clubhouse? Is he a clubhouse guy? I think there's more to think about than just whether or not he comes in as an arm. But to your point, and you guys have talked about this at time and with Tracy Jones too, like you know the Oakland A's didn't really like each other, but they won a lot of baseball games. Yeah. So maybe there's maybe we overvalue clubhouse chemistry and all that from time to time. However, this team does seem like they have a a pretty good nucleus and a pretty good vibe going that I don't know if we want to try to interrupt with a big big personality you're you're getting i don't know if he's a big person he is 100 percent. he's rough he's rough i mean everyone, I was around, everybody's going around i was him. around johnson and Schilling. i mean look they, they they weren't exactly hanging out with the boys okay i mean when Luis gonzalez and steve finley and craig council and all these guys are hanging out together doing whatever they're doing Similar Randy to, and Schill ain't hanging around. Tr- Trevor Bauer has been disliked pretty much everywhere he's gone by his teammates. UCLA. I understand Arizona, that. I'm just Cleveland. throwing it out there. Would you think about bringing Paul? Did you bring him in? Mm-mm. No? Casey? I wouldn't. I would not. No, I don't. See, my issue is I don't, I was, I don't believe in – Professional athletes who have not played their sport in a few years. Well, he has been playing. Well, he's been playing terribly, though, is the That's, thing. Okay, I, well, that, there's I, a difference there. Yes. I would view him exactly the same way I would view Deshaun. And I don't think Deshaun's that good of a quarterback right now. So that's how that's how I would approach this. I don't think he's the, the answer. I don't think you're getting more than what uh, he's already shown, which is – Barely maybe your fifth guy in the rotation. Who? Trevor. Well, Bauer, I mean, his last three starts, his last three starts have been good. And his last one was seven innings, no runs. Now, again, you can say it's Japan and okay. I'm giving this guy, not as a person. I get it. I'm giving this guy as a pitcher some rope here now. I mean, you're talking about almost two full years. He is not pitching a competitive game. It's not like he's old and broke down and over the hill and coming off some injury. It's none of that. He made his own bed with some of the other stuff that went on. But you wouldn't think about it? Tom, do you think it's like a Tim Tebow situation? Where, and I'm not trying to compare Tim Tebow to, to Trevor Bauer. Maybe that's a terrible, terrible thing. <laughs> Orally, they're But very my close. point is, is that there's more, there's more that comes with Trevor Bauer than what it might be worth. Trevor Bauer has got the YouTube thing going on, which I'm, we're on YouTube. We love YouTube. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with what he's doing, but it does bring attention to him. He's got the situation with the, with with his legal bow, battle. Yeah. That brings a whole other circus to the to the to the table. There's a lot of questions that his teammates are going to have to answer about you know whether or not they 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 agree with the move and all. You you've been in locker rooms. You understand these things. Yeah. It, there's more that comes to this than it might be worth. Tim Tebow probably could have been. You know, a, a serviceable backup for for years in the NFL. The issue with Tim was is that he had so much notoriety that his worth wasn't worth the hassle of all the extracurriculars that went with it, the media brigade, all of that. Yeah, I think that is Trevor Bauer's main probably issue with him getting on a team. It's nothing to do with whether or not he can help just straight up as a baseball player. I think it has more to do with all the other stuff. No one wants to touch it. They want it. they don't want to deal with it. Okay. All right, that's fair enough. I'm just throwing it out there. Because, I mean, these are some of the things. Uh, look, I don't know if anybody's brought up Trevor Bauer's name down there on, on Joe, excuse me, Joe Nuxhall way. I have no idea Yeah. when the Reds baseball ops people are sitting around. But I can promise you they're talking about, oh, there are going to be some people in that camp, and you know how it works. It's no different than us sitting around talking about the stuff we were talking about today and the Votto thing that we're going to get to here in a, in, a, in a few minutes. But, I mean, everybody has their opinion on it. 
And you're going to have some people sitting in those offices down on Joe Nuxall Way that are saying, guys, we just brought up Ellie De La Cruz. His first night, we had 22,000 people in the ballpark. His second game, we had 19,000. His third game, we had 15,000. Okay, so everybody can get excited and you can say, well, people not showing up at the ballpark uh, doesn't mean that the fan base is not energized by Ellie De La Cruz or this team. Fair point. I never tell anybody how to spend their money. I don't want anybody telling me how to spend my money. But if you're the person that counts the money for the Cincinnati Reds franchise, okay, you don't know if that next check is coming from Bally's. You just got the last one. There's a good chance the next one may not be coming based on everything we've seen of late, okay? You start considering those things and you start saying, man, somebody in that room is sitting there saying, you know, if we went out and made this deal or if we went out and took a flyer on fill in the blank, more than a flyer, not going to take a flyer, but 15,000 might turn into 27,000. Weekend series might turn into three straight crowds of 31, 32, 35 without Zach Brown being in town. Right? Yeah. Doesn't somebody have to bring that up down there? They had a decrease in attendance for three straight days after De La Cruz came up. And I don't want to hear the reasons for it. The weather was great. Right? And some might say, well, one of them was a day game. Well, okay. You play a lot of day games during the year. Their attendance went down from his first game to his second game to his third game. And you knew in all three games he was going to start and play. That mean anything? I think I think, and I don't, I waited to look into this, Tom. The only thing I would push back on that take would be, I think, uh, a side by side in comparison to a Wednesday game earlier in the year for the same time frame, the attendance did jump. And, and, and you know what I'm saying? That exact time frame that you're talking about, if they use that as a comparative to what the numbers look like earlier in the year, there was a there was increased right. attendance. Now, to your point, I understand what you're trying to say. You know. Uh, Winning, we all know. Winning, your dad said this a thousand times on this show. Winning is the best marketing ploy there is. If this can, if this team continues to be relevant, they stay within this race. People are going out of the ballpark, and yeah, Ellie has a lot to do with a lot to do with it, or some to do with it. But more importantly, if Ellie wasn't here and this team was in the race, people would go down there regardless. So it's all about winning. It's always been about winning, and it will continue to be about winning. And we'll see whether or not they're going to do something. I just know that. Just like the Bengals at the trade deadline last year when everyone's screaming and clawing and yelling they need to do a bunch of stuff. We laughed in here and said, what are we talking about? They're not going to do anything. They didn't do anything. They were a play away from going to the damn, you know, uh, Super Bowl. Yep. So sometimes fans can fan. We overreact, which is fun. It's what we do here. But um, but the Reds are in a good spot. But but here's the thing. You're we right. But here's the thing. Like, like I think, who is it? Evan. And Evan's here all the time. People who suggest trading Marte, the minor league player, aren't at all serious. The only thing they want is Castillo back. They live in the past and aren't rationally thinking or analyzing Marte. Okay, look, look, again, I don't know, and you don't know, and nobody in this room knows, what Marte is going to be. We don't know. Now, do you think that he has some tools and some things that separate him from the pack? Clearly, you think that. Okay, but you can't have it both ways. 
you can't sit here and, and, and logically take the fandom out, take the glasses off, okay? You can't sit around and bash ownership for not trying to win. If you want to do that, that's fine, all right? But you can't have it both ways where you say, boy, they're not trying to win, but then at the same time, no, 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 no. Don't go out there and try to do anything that might disrupt our minor league you know, players down there. Don't do anything that might upset our clubhouse, right? You haven't won anything for a long time. You haven't won a playoff series since 1995, and that was a best of three against the Dodgers. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say, boy, our starting pitching stinks. And if you look at the numbers, it stinks. Okay? You can't say it stinks, but then scream if they go out and try and make a trade and trade for one of these young players to try and improve the starting pitching. You, you, you just can't do it. You have got to make up your mind, what do you want? Do you trust that all of these young players and young pitchers are going to be good enough collectively, if not this year, but next year and probably a more reasonable time frame would be 25. Wouldn't rule out 24, but 25, probably a little more reasonable. If you believe that all of those guys are going to hit it, right? And they're all going to hit it at the same time, that you're not going to have anybody injured. You're not going to have anybody go down, right? Whether it's a starting pitcher for the season, right? Or all of a sudden, Alexis Diaz now becomes a free agent. You're going to let him walk out the door because you don't want to pay him $15 million a year. Okay? If you believe all of those things are going to happen, and to borrow one of Casey's terms, trust the process. Right? That's that new age, trust the process. Do you not? If you believe that, then you know what? I'm all on board with you. Let it roll, and let's see what happens. Let's see where we are. But if you're saying, well, I don't know what's going to happen with every single one of these players. I don't know if we're going to be injured. I don't know if they're all going to hit it at the same time. What I do know is, is here in the second week of June in 2023, we're three games out of first place. Can I trade one of those guys to try and win in the playoffs or get to the playoffs this year for a team no one gave a chance, right? Or step out and bring in a Bauer. You decide. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. We don't know. We don't have a crystal ball. All right. Speaking of right and wrong, boy, we better make sure. Um, I'm going to be nice today. We're going to take a timeout. And when we come back, we're getting into this whole Joey Votto thing that went down yesterday. All right? All right, let's do it. All right. Ham and Eggers, Mr. President, in a courtroom in Miami. Take it away. It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. All right. Well, we uh, talked about Jonah Williams for about 10 seconds, so we'll call it the Bengals report today. Encore Technologies is uh brought to you oh bengal's report rather 
is brought to you. Oh, I didn't even notice the door. <laughs> Casey, I should have kicked that to you. <laughs> Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. That's right. Visit Encore.tech, the path to innovation begins here. We also love our friends at Pawnee. We talk about them every day. Pawnee Water, right here in front of me, and it's made right across the street here in Hamilton, uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. You can visit their website to buy it at PawneeWater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. P-A-A... Let me try that one again. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy it all over the tri-state area. Send us a picture. A lot of people have found it in, in gas stations, wherever it might be. Send us in a picture. We'll tweet it out. We're pretty good with interacting with all that on social media. So make sure you send it in to us. Make sure you drink Pawnee water. Get your coffee from UDF. Bet with Bedfred. And get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. Uh, is there any, oh, make sure we see over 200 of you in the stream right now. Make sure you go in and like the stream. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also download all of this later in podcast form. You can go into Spotify, Apple, any podcast platform. That's where all of our podcasts live. Not just this with off the bench, chatterbox reds, all of the other ones that we do here at chatterbox sports. You can go and download all of those, leave a rating and a review too. It always it helps the algorithm. You leave a rating and review, whether it's Chatterbox Reds. You've seen a lot of people reviewing Chatterbox Reds. You see a lot of people coming in here and doing all that. So make sure you go in there. You do that to uh, to this one off the bench as well. Um, and we also have the Discord pinned. Yes. Chat, please click on it. Join our our server. It's pretty much the chat, but outside the show hours. So have fun with us in there. That's right. Discord, uh, the Discord keeps this 10 a.m. to 12 p. chat going, and in uh, after hours. So that is everything that we have to pitch to all of you today. Thanks for watching, everybody. We uh, we very much appreciate it, Tom. Uh, we basically uh, let's see here. We have. Is there anything else we had? Discord subscriptions. I think we. I think we covered it. I think we covered it all, I, Paul. I think we, I think we covered everything. All right. Now, I know a lot of you are probably here today for this Vado discussion, which I'm also looking forward to because the both oh, here, let me... Tom and uh, Trace had a lot to say this morning. That's right. And uh, I think uh, I think are you ready, Tom? I'm ready to go. First of all, um, first of all, okay. Uh, my main man, Elliot, was all bummed out yesterday because he posted that, uh, that clip yesterday, and that's the one that I asked Trace to take down. Let me tell my main man, Elliot. I love Elliot. We love Elliot being right here at Chatterbox. He's the best. We love him. He did nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Elliot, you good? Find a microphone real quick. You, 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 we're Come over walking here, around like a, like a puppy today. <laughs> all right? They just got, you know, run out of the house for peeing on the carpet. Are you all right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about you. I like you. 
Yeah, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I just, you know, I felt bad for destroying everything and ruining everybody's day. <laughs> but, other than, but other than that, I've, but no, it was a really good time. I sat in my room in the dark and we, watched, we watched the Reds win. So that was good. But yeah, we're okay. How are you doing, Tom? Uh, I, I'm doing great. I was worried more about you than I was about me. Okay. I'm just glad yeah. you're okay. You didn't do – there's nothing to be worried about or upset about or bummed out about or whatever. All right? All right. All right. That sounds good. All right. We're good. <laughs> you were worried about the old boy, weren't you, Trace? I yeah, I was worried about Elliot. Elliot, Elliot, uh, Elliot dropped the uh, – who, who's, the, who's the UConn head coach? Yeah, that's right. Oh, not a dime Calhoun. back. In our, in our group chat, uh, Elliot dropped the Calhoun clip where he where he's talking about, I think. Uh, not a dime know. back. Not he, a dime back. Uh, yeah, anyways, he, he he said he effed up. He And, and uh, Elliot was he was taking it pretty hard on the chin for a minute. And I think that um, it was it, it didn't come from a place of malpractice. It just, uh, just went the way it was. The Bluebird app does some things sometimes that are just not cool, Tom. Okay, here we go now. Okay, let, let, let's get into the fact that the, one of the reasons that I had asked Trace or whomever to take it down yesterday is, is because I didn't think that it accurately, from an entirety standpoint, portrayed what I was saying about Joey Votto being a Hall of Famer. I have said on this program a hundred times in seven months, minimum, that Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer. There is no doubt in my mind. And that's the end of that story. Scroll up here a little bit, Paul, please. Okay. Yep. It, that is not what we were talking about here yesterday. Okay. Now, I made a comment and Trace asked me to walk back on and on when I said he's had some bad years. Was that the word I used or a lot of bad years? You said a lot of bad okay. years. All right. Well, I will take back a lot of bad years. But I will stand by some years where, say one year he led the league in on-base percentage, which we'll get to in a minute. But he hit 12 home runs and knocked in 50 runs. Now, to me, that is not the definition of a great year. Everybody's different. If you put the stock in the on-base percentage as being the be-all and end-all, you're entitled to that. And I'm not going to scream and call you names like many of you did to me on Twitter yesterday. I'm not going to do that. All right? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to turn this into some personal thing because I disagree with you. And nor should you because you disagree with me. We can have a civil, logical discussion presenting Exhibit A, Exhibit B. Something to think about. Okay? I said Joey Votto will be in the Hall of Fame that the generation who will be voting when he comes up will put a lot more stock in stats like on base percentage, OPS, than perhaps older voters who look more, for first baseman especially, in home runs and runs batted in. Okay? So let's start with that. Concession here. Vado has led the league in on-base percentage seven times. The only other players to ever do that are named Ruth, Bonds, Williams, Hornsby, Cobb. Right? I mean, that's murderer's row right there. Some of the best of all time. The very best in the history of the sport. 
Votto has been in the top 10 for on-base percentage and OPS in nine different seasons. And if that is your primary argument for him being in the Hall of Fame, first ballot I'm talking about, let's put aside to make sure we understand each other. We're putting aside, is he a Hall of Famer? I am saying to you, yes, undeniably, Hall of Famer. My argument is when I hear people say, first ballot Hall of Famer, I say not so fast. Because I think there are other things you have to consider besides just cherry picking a certain stat or two. His career slash, 297 hitter, 415 on base percentage, down to 412, I think now, 519 slugging, career OPS over 930. Stats are fantastic. But as I said yesterday, when compared to the average Hall of Fame first baseman, that's like an oxymoron. But for the guys that are in the Hall of Fame as first baseman, there are numbers where Votto clearly comes up short. Home runs. 300 home runs, 2,000 hits, 1,100 RBIs. Those are not automatic bursts into Cooperstown, especially not on the first ballot. And I reflect on two other first basemen here, okay? Now, I'm going to start with Freddie McGriff. Freddie McGriff has been on the ballot for a decade for the writers to vote on. They never voted him in. Okay, now, in fairness, because McGriff did not walk as much, he has about 15, 16, 1,700 more at-bats. And that's a lot more at-bats than Votto, Okay. Freddie McGriff hit 493 home runs. And again, we're talking about a guy now being voted in first ballot Hall of Famer. Make sure we understand each other here, okay? Because some people tend not to listen. We're talking about first ballot Hall of Famer. Freddie McGriff waited a decade. 493 homers. That's 151 more than Votto. McGriff had over 1,550 RBIs. Votto has 1,100. McGriff scored 1,350 runs. Votto scored 1,100. McGriff has almost 2,500 hits. Votto has 2,093. McGriff's on base percentage, nothing to sneeze at now. 377, Votto 412. Freddie McGriff won seven gold gloves. Votto's won one. A better, a better comparison would be Todd Helton. Okay? Much better comparison. Helton had roughly about 850 more at-bats. Okay, now let's go down the categories where Helton's numbers in every one of these categories, every one of them, is better than Votto. And he has sat on the voters list for six years, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. 369 homers to 342. 1,400 runs scored compared to 1145. 1,400 runs batted in compared to 1,100. 
2,500 plus hits compared to 2,093. On base percentage, Helton 414, Votto 412, Helton higher slugging percentage, OPS Helton better, War just about a wash, Votto a little bit ahead. Helton is the best example that I'm giving you as to why Votto may not be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Again, he is a Hall of Famer and will be a Hall of Famer. I think he should be a Hall of Famer. I'm saying first ballot, not a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination. One more set of stats to think about for a second. And I've already conceded to you the on-base percentage, where he's among the very best in the history of the game. Among all the enshrined first basemen whose careers began since 1950, no Hall of Fame first baseman has fewer home runs than Tony Perez and Orlando Cepeda, 379. No first baseman since breaking in since 1950 has fewer than Orlando Cepeda's 1,365 runs batted in. Cepeda had to wait for 20 years to get in the Hall of Fame. So that doesn't mean that Votto has to hit those numbers to be a Hall of Famer because he's better in other areas than those guys are. But those do stand as we sit here today. Those are factual, very real numbers that are good barometers for measurement. At least they have to count for something. Thoughts? So let me let me chime in real quick. Just to just the point I'm here is to to give some stats, some credence. You said that Fred McGriff made won seven gold gloves, I believe. He didn't win a single one. In the fact, article I read yesterday, you sure about that? I'm on his baseball reference page and doesn't have a single um, gold glove on his stat sheet. And then, in fact, his defensive war is almost 200% worse than Joey Votto's. All right, hold on a second. Okay. Uh, his D war is negative 17.3. And Joey Votto is like negative seven. Well, then I apologize for that part because uh, the article I read, and I don't know where it was last night. I'd have to find it. Okay, so go ahead. So, yeah, what was the the defensive metrics or what they are? Okay. Um, secondly, about Fred McGriff, you mentioned the 493 home runs and, and the power numbers. Um, Fred McGriff's career slugging percentage is lower than Joey Votto's, just basically meaning that if they register an at-bat, it's more likely that Joey Votto's going to have more total bases than Fred McGriff. Okay, let me interrupt for a second. I'm not going into the well of, okay, comparing a guy's slugging percentage here. Okay. I'm not going in that well because, to me, you can make stats do whatever you want them to do in a lot of different ways. Yeah. The only point I'm trying to make here is, is you had one player that had 150-plus more home runs in another, had more hits in another, had more RBIs in another, had more RBI, had more runs scored than another, and his on-base percentage wasn't that much worse than the other. 
One at 380, the other at 412. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I'm not going to get into the slugging percentage means he would have hit more home run, but whatever it might be. I'm just okay, saying so yeah. when it comes to being a first ballot lead pipe cinch Hall of Famer, those are the numbers for Fred McGriff. And he waited a decade, and the Veterans Committee had to put him in. Yeah. So the, the only other thing I'll say is – that if, if the argument is that Joey Votto is a first ballot Hall of Famer, which I think is the Time out a second now here. I am going right now, and it says Fred McGriff. Five All-Stars, three slug, silver this, sluggers. Whatever the, where am I reading this here? Because I just clicked on Google that says, how many gold gloves did Fred McGriff have? It says he had seven. According to baseball reference, if baseball reference is wrong, then that's where I'm getting my stats. Okay. Well, I, I, again, I've just got one sitting here in front of me that says he won seven. But go ahead. Um, yeah, Fred McGriff played 500 more games than, than Joey Votto. But if the argument is, is that Joey Votto is a first ballot Hall of Famer, I would say that, and this is just my opinion on it, it is – and very unlikely that he is, just based off what we've seen. Now, there is a first ballot Hall of Famer in the name of, like, Willie McCovey, who Joey Votto has. I know you don't want to go back to slugging percentage, but Joey Votto has a higher career slugging percentage than Willie McCovey. Played, like, 700 less games than Willie McCovey, right. so that's where the 200 home runs can at least be a little a little bit of discrepancy. Okay. But if, if you're asking my opinion, Joey Votto is a slam dunk of a Hall of Famer. No doubt about it. If you're asking me if he is going to be in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot, I would say it is incredibly unlikely. And it also depends on who's on the ballot. So you mentioned Todd Helton, who's not in the Hall of Fame yet. He's been on the ballot for five years. The reason for that, and I told you guys this before the show, is that the voters, the way that they currently process votes, is you get 10 selections. And for the longest time, People were voting for the steroid users because they were bogging up spots on the ballot. You know, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, guys that weren't steroid users but should be a Hall of Famer like Kurt Schilling, who's not in for other reasons. Um, and then you can go down the list, Gary Sheffield, yada, yada, yada. So people were recognizing that Todd Helton's going to be on the ballot. I only get 10 picks. I'm going to choose to use my votes for Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. So Todd Helton didn't get votes for the longest time. Now those guys are off the ballot. Todd Helton will be in the Hall of Fame next year. With I, I'd say it's a slam dunk. Yeah, good chance. Yeah, he's already at 72%. Yep. So that's the reason that Todd Helton isn't in the Hall of Fame already. He would have been in on pretty much any other era in the first two ballots. So those are just the points I had. I think the fundamental issue with many of the people that – and we'll, we'll get into all of it because I think it's, I think it's actually <clears throat> something that's topical and something that I think is, is, is worthy of a conversation, although it might not be directly sports-related at times – down the path here, we should get into the fact that, you know, Twitter, for whatever reason, it's largely because it's mostly a cesspool. But for, 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 the, for lack of a better term, it always turns into personal attacks, which is, I think, the thing that obviously deep-rooted bothered you. Because you felt like in your – within the clip, you expressed that you feel like Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer. You're making the case that he's not clear, guaranteed first ballot. And I, I think mean, that's I, a more than a fair take. The only thing that you no, said... I, and I'm not suggesting he shouldn't be a first Holt Bout Hall of Famer. I'm suggesting that you're going to have a group of voters. You're going to have a group of voters 
where by the time he comes up, and Lord knows how long that's going to be. I mean, he might come back and play great this year and want to continue playing somewhere else, whatever it might be. So he will, he will, he's got a chance to add to these numbers, okay? But there are going to be a lot of voters that say, well, the on-base percentage is a reason, number one, that he should be in. Okay, well, again, the, entitled to that opinion, and I got it, no problem with it whatsoever. I'm just trying to lay out from a broad perspective that there is more to being, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame player than what your on-base percentage is. I think it's much, there's much more to it. And I was just trying to give a lot of people out there who spewed a lot of hate yesterday thinking I said something about their brother that was a misrepresentation of the facts. I said the guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame, but that number is going to mean a lot more to the people who vote in seven years from now than it means to a lot of people who currently vote now. That's fair. I think that the thing, again, to get back to what I think most people came out in, the, in, in droves and wanted to bury you for, was that you had said, and I, again, I'm not saying you have to walk this take back, Tom. I'm not. But I do think it's very, it's a very misguided statement in saying that he had a, quote, a lot of bad years. He had a couple years that obviously were not ideal. Some of them had to do with injury. And obviously he had his COVID, the whole COVID year, like everyone else did, to be fair, like everyone else did. However, he has had a phenomenal career. And we've talked about this time and time again. What do you value? Some people value strictly the basis of getting on base and not making it out. And yep. yes, power, power is, a, is an addition to that. It's a plus. Some people, and, and it all is a lot of it's generational. Let's be honest. A lot of it's generational. A lot of, of, of an older generation has, a, has an affinity for and believes in a lot of the, the, the general and or, I don't want to call them elementary, that's not the right word, but the basic stats. Average, you know, RBIs, home runs, slugging, those types of stats are what people point to. Same point to wins and losses for pitchers, but then there's this new crop of people that come along, Tom, and you obviously are aware of this, that they, they think that those layers of how you measure a person's worth on a baseball field are very, very, very small-minded. So they try to open up Pandora's box and say, okay, let's get into all these minute details that we never would have had access to 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. We never would have known. We, we did, spray charts weren't a thing when they first started playing this game. Yep. All of this stuff has slowly morphed into something that at times personally, although I do think the analytics tell a good picture, personally it can become overwhelming and it, 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 it kind of takes away from the game. It, be, it makes it not fun at times of it just being a simple math equation. You like to think that there's some human element to this game still and you like to think that it's not just a big old math problem. However, you can't discredit both sides. But the fundamental issue is is that the main goal when you come up to the plate is to get on base without making an out. And there's not many people, if ever, in the modern era that have done it better than Joey Votto. And I think people take exception, in this town specifically, because he's been arguably one of the only bright spots that, the, uh, that a generation, of my generation, has had since we started watching baseball for the Cincinnati Reds. Un unfortunately for us, and fortunately for you, 
you've got a chance to see the 1990 Reds. You've got a chance to see the Big Red Machine. You've got a chance to see good baseball that this franchise has played. For many of us, we've never seen it. Never have seen it. We got a glimpse of it in 2010 and 12 and that little small window of time. And Joey Votto was a big part of that. Now, you've brought up, and we don't need to get into this, but they didn't have much success in the playoffs. But that's really been the only thing. And I've also hearkened back to, I think a lot of people give Joey Votto credit for getting paid a lot of money and for the most part, delivering on the goods. Yes, you could argue whether or not the, the Reds should have paid him the money from a franchise perspective. Should they have dumped that much money into a first base position for a small market team? That's a different debate. That's not a Joey Votto debate. That's more of just an overall baseball debate. But Joey Votto has been model citizen, whatever term you want to use. I want you to tell the story because you, underneath the whole surface, have got this persona and this per- perception, Tom, that you don't like Joey Votto, that you think he's not valid, or you don't think he's worth as much as people want to make him out to be. And that's far from the case because we've argued this point in here before. You've told the story about, and I'll let you tell it in a minute, about how you think he's one of the best grinders that have existed since Pete. And I'm saying that's why some of us love him too is because he got paid a lot of money, and I'm not trying to kill Homer Bailey, but he wasn't a Homer Bailey. You know, He actually delivered, for the most part, on his contract. And I'm not trying to kill Homer Bailey and bring him into this, but I'm just saying in general, he did everything he could have for this franchise to deliver on what he was promised and asked to do. And that's why a lot of us love him. And maybe we do have blind spots for him. Yes, the power numbers aren't there at times. However, the, the, the fundamental practice of getting on base is the main priority in a baseball game. If you had nine Joey Votos in a lineup, I'd argue that's better to have than uh, nine Adam Dunn's. Now, if we figured that out, maybe someone with the math could figure out who would score more runs, but I'd like to think Joey Votto's team would score more runs than an Adam Dunn-type team. Now, to bring back to your point, you never said those things to be fair to you. But people have put you in that box. So I guess I'm giving you an open platform and saying your overall genuine thoughts on Vado, you've said it, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's not personal. You're just trying to lay out the facts, true or not true. I have absolutely nothing. And for the handful of you that go off the reservation every single time we talk about something that has to do with Joey Vado and lumping my dad and me together, to begin with, that is just... I don't want Reed and Trace together. No, no, granted, their last name's not the same, okay? You don't lump people together. I have had nothing in my life, not one single thing. I told these guys. I used to take the guy to lunch up in Mount Adams talking about Joey Votto. I got nothing in the world against this guy. I just try to look at it without fan-colored glasses. That's the long and short of it. I look at a guy who has been a great player. If you start getting into a lot of these different statistics, you can make the argument, and I would listen to the argument, and I would respect your argument. If you said he's the best Reds offensive player of all time, do I think he could beat you in more ways than other players that they've had in the history of this franchise? Not a chance could not beat you anywhere close to as many ways as, say, Joe Morgan could. But statistically, you want to get into all these kinds of things, that's fine. It doesn't have to turn into some personal thing. 
where all of a sudden you think I have some vendetta or anything at all against Joey Votto. Does that answer your question? It does. And I think that the main point of this is, is that Twitter is a small percentage of people too. And I get that that time from time you get on Twitter and you see all these hateful comments. And that's kind of the fundamental issue with the problem that I have with it all is that, is that it turns into personal attacks against you. And if we're being completely frank, and I've told you this before, if you don't know you behind the scenes, it's hard to have a full-fledged understanding of what your actual true beliefs are. I've told this story to people before. I thought that, in essence, that you were more of a pessimistic-type broadcaster than an optimistic one. But the more and more I dug into it, the more and more I learned and, and, and got to know you, your career path, in my opinion, these are my opinions, of course, your career path led you down the ability to try to be neutral-sided as, as one could possibly be. You called Cubs games. You called Diamondbacks games. There was no rooting interest there. You then called NFL Fox games for a long time. And the goal from your standpoint was to lay out the game and tell the facts as you perceive them to be and give relevant information. You at no point wanted to be a fan of said team. The only thing I would push back on you that you would maybe agree with this or maybe not is that the reason that that didn't play as well in this town as it would have anywhere else is because when you're the hometown broadcaster, like it or not, the, the vast majority of the fandom, whether this is good or bad or indifferent, it doesn't matter, I think the vast majority of the fandom would rather be the homer and just overly be optimistic on one side, and that's not who you were raised and brought up to be as a broadcaster. That's not the trait and the path that you've gone down. Right, you came down to call your hometown team yep. on the. I don't say the back end of your career. That's the wrong term to use. But after you've had some validity as a national broadcaster, this wasn't your first gig, right? Right. So what happened was, is you already also then have to fight the fact of yes, you're the son of Marty Brenneman and he has a legacy and all these things in this town and people are gonna. Say there's nepotism involved in that. I'm here to tell you, I'm not just saying this because you're in the room. You don't get somewhere as far as you've gotten on NFL, Chicago Cubs, and the Diamondbacks. They could give a rat's tail who your dad was, right? And I'm not just saying that because you're here. But the flip side of it is, is I think this is where the blind spot to a small extent for you, at, you had to be at times was, is deep down, the only difference between your stops at the Cubs, your stop at the Diamondbacks, your stops throughout the NFL when you called national games and and when you called national games a broadcaster for Fox was, now you might not say that it's overly ab ab abundant, but deep down the kid in you loved the Cincinnati Reds and you had to call baseball games for that franchise, like it or not, the vast majority of the time for bad teams. Now, I'm not saying you're saying that, I'm saying it. There was, only a, there was only a small percentage of your time calling baseball games for the Cincinnati Reds where you were delivering good news, where you were actually on the top of the peak of the mountain. Most of the time, the team was bad. And there's not a better clip out there, and I know people make fun of it and they laugh at it, but when, when, when Chris Bryant hits the home run, and, and, and you're pissed, you're mad. And, but you know what? Your frustration comes off in a manner of frustration rather than it just be like this pure optimistic person. And that doesn't mean that you're worse or better than another broadcaster. Some people, like we've talked about before, they like a style of Tom Brenneman. Some people might like a style of, just because he's a red boss, a Sadak. Right. To 
two, not saying they're complete opposites, but two ways to go about your business. One person might get into analytics significantly. One person might not. I, I guess I'm openly asking the question to you is, do you think in your opinion as a Reds broadcaster that the vast majority of this fan base is wrong about the way that you perceive the Reds and wanted to be a part of this Reds organization when it comes to the analytics and things of that nature? Because you've been a part of this game for a really long time. Do you feel like analytics were pressed and pushed up against you guys to where there was this rebellious type tone towards it? Or your overall, and I know you've used the Fox example before, but like your overall impression when people push back on you and say, well, Tom's just lazy. He doesn't care about looking into analytics. He just took the job for granted. All the all the stuff. Well, those that are two say. very different things. Yes. Lazy and not looking into analytics are two very different things. Very different. And I guess the question would be like, what's the what's the feedback to those types of people, if any, if any? There doesn't need to be one. But I'm just saying that's where the vitriol comes from, in my opinion, from these people. One, look, I get what you're saying. You made the point here. Okay. The the, the bottom line is simply this. The vitriol where stuff comes from, there's nothing I can do about that. I mean, zero. People want to walk around just hating people because they disagree with them or they hate people because they don't like their style of announcing. I mean, can you get up every morning wondering about, you know, am I going to try to make everybody happy today? You think Sadak gets out of bed trying to make everybody happy today? You think Harry Carey got out of bed trying to make everybody happy today? I don't think so. So if there are fans that want to think where I was negative, crappy team, never delivered when it mattered, fact, fact, and, 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 last but not least was the fact that the sport itself was dying before our very eyes. And we had Joe Davis on this program last week. I mean, you're the most blessed guy in the world, and you realize that all the time when you're sitting up there in the booth to have that job. And you never lose sight of that. At least I never did, and Joe said the same thing. But watching this sport the last 10 years, three and a half hours every night, watching that slop, this was a dying sport. It's been given a shot in the arm. It's a whole different animal again now. It's back to being watchable. Casey said it earlier. Exciting. It's fun to watch. It's aggressive. It's getting away from a lot of the analytics. Right? Reds are running the bases with reckless abandon out there right now. A lot of people don't like the stolen base unless you're hitting this number and this number and this number. Doesn't make sense. Don't bun a guy over. I think that there is a happy medium. There are people that get angry that I did not, or other people, did not fully buy all into analytics. And I think you're starting to see right now, and there have been dozens and dozens and dozens of articles that have been written about this. There are a lot of people wondering how long analytics are going to be ruling the sport like they've ruled the sport in the last 7, 8, 10, 12 years. A lot of people wonder. George Will looked at me and said it point blank. Analytics is the best thing that happened to the pitcher. It's the best thing that happened to the batter. It's the worst thing that's happened to the game. I can't disagree with you because I think there's there's a part of the analytical portion of baseball that 
again, gets so deep into the well that it does feel like at times we're just playing a computer game. And it does, and, and, and it has nothing to do with, with, you know, leadership styles or has nothing to do with the type of, the type of game that one team could possibly portray and play together. But it is very much this player is worth this because he does this on the field and there's nothing else that comes with it. And the only thing I would say to you, Tom, is, is that I do feel different about you now that I know you than I would have ever thought in a million years of just watching the games as a Reds fan. And that's fair enough. And I think, the, I think that, that unfortunately, Tom, I'm not saying this because you're in the room again. Unfortunately, for many, many people, they think that you're mean-spirited. They think that you that you are that you're out to get people. They think that you that you say things on purpose because you think that you're going to get to someone. I, I, again, that could be a very, very small percentage of people that are on Twitter, and I, we, we all see them. Like it's not like it's one of those things where we can sit here and act like we're bigger or better than anyone else. The fact is, is that people turn into they make things into personal attacks, Tom, and that's what bugs me the most about all of this. And I'm not saying we need to get into the brunt. brunt. This show's a sports talk show. We like to keep it that way. I don't want to get into the fact of the whole Twitter universe. But you can say what you want, and we can get – I'm not, not saying we need to get into it. But my main point is, is that it does affect people. It does affect people when there's a lot of people that come out of the woodworks and they say things that they genuinely don't know a damn thing about. And all I'm trying to get at is that it's, it's quite comical to me that I, that I, yes, I started Chatterbox. And yes, I hired people. And everyone that I hired in here, I have different viewpoints than. Sure. We all disagree on many things, whether that's politically, whether that's personally, whether that's relationally, how we feel about certain things. We all disagree. But the one thing I always harbor back on it here is we all have a relatively adult conversation about it. And I know that's probably a thing that I can never come to expect that's going to happen on Twitter. But the fact that it, from a moral standpoint, the, ma the, the, the fact that there's that many people that come at you personally about these things and they want to continue to make the four to nothing joke. They want to continue to make all of these things. If they knew you as an actual person, Tom, they would be disgusted with themselves. Well, I don't know about that. I, I, no, I'm, I'm My being, wife knows me well. She's no, pretty disgusted. With I know you want to joke about it, but I'm trying to be relatively serious about it because I know... Whether you want to admit it or not, I know it bugs you a little bit about how people get on you. And all I'm trying to say it doesn't, is... It doesn't bother me how people get on me. That's part of, of the job. You're out there in the forefront. You're out there. It's okay. When things start to turn, uber personal is where it just gets out of control. And that's where we are in society in general. It's where we are. You can't sit around and talk about a topic you can't talk about abortion you can't talk about illegal immigrants pouring over the border you can't talk about any of these things without people just screaming down and insulting and calling each other names you can't do it you can't have the conversation about this this military kid who put the guy screaming and threatening to kill other people on a subway platform. You can't have the discussion about what was going on here. What was happening here? No, that guy's a racist. 
He went out to murder this guy. I mean, you can't have the discussion. That's fair. I mean, you just can't have it without people getting overly personal and just getting completely out of control. But this isn't a, it, one of those moments. But, but I, I value your opinion and, and your thoughts on this thing. And the bottom line is, is that in no form or fashion should people turn this stuff, and I'm not sitting here from a moral high ground at all. Not at all. No one screwed up in life more than me. I'll be the first to admit it. Nobody. Ah, there's more people. But I'm not going to sit there and judge you, whoever you are, on your worst moment. I'm not going to do it. That's not my job. I would ask you to consider not judging someone else on their worst moment. That's all I would ask. It doesn't have to turn ugly. And when it does, and the reason why you see so many people, don't matter what political spectrum you're on, the reason you don't see competent people in government anymore, and I'm not saying that there aren't some of them that are out there, the reason you don't see it is because all anybody is looking to do is tear them down. So you're going to get what you're going to get. And we're all going to get what we want to get. If you want, in this case as a broadcaster, if you want a broadcaster who's going to tell you how great the team is, when no team in baseball right now is great except for Tampa Bay probably, right? If you want somebody who's going to tell you how great they are all the time, sign them up. Sign them up. You know why the Razor? Maybe are good, that's Tom? why I'm sitting here. You know why the Razor are good, Tom? Because they got good players. Because they don't trade their prospects, baby. Well, you got a good point. All right. Uh, do we have Tracy coming up here momentarily? Uh, he's not in just yet, but I did send him a, a link. Okay. All right. Anything else we want to add here? I got to fill up my water before we get Tracer on here. You throw at the Hammonagers. I think we can talk about. No, we can was, talk about. That was constructive, uh, Tom. That was great. All right. I got to get. A, I got to get a glass of water. Here we go. It's that time of the show. The Hammonagers. These guys are great. Trust me. I would know. I introduce all the best segments. All right, so I know that you probably guys are like over there figuring out what are we going to do? How are we going to drag this on? Uh, listen, I, I get on this show, we don't ever talk about politics. I get we don't ever want to talk about hard topics. And, 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 and rightfully so. That's not the place. That's, this isn't the place for it. And we're not going to do it. It's just that I'm not just saying this. I said it when he's in the room. I'll say it when he's not in the room. It's just that when you sit behind the scenes and you have to see what someone goes through on a daily basis who actually gives a shit what they actually did and they know was wrong, it, it wears, it, if it wears on me, I can only imagine how much it wears on the guy that actually has to wear it every day. And I'm not saying he, he doesn't deserve it from time to time. Maybe so. But it, it is, it, 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 you might think you know, but you don't really know. And what I'm getting at at the end of it is, is that there's people that get on this Bluebird app that just assume that what they say is not a big deal. And I just want to remind everybody that, that it does affect 
it does it does have effects. And you might not give a you might you not you might not care about that. You might think, oh no, big deal, whatever. It's just the internet. People can get over it. You know, quit being soft, no snowflakes, all of that. But there's going to be a point that comes in your life. I can promise you, at some point, that that you're going to need grace in your life. And I hope for many of the people that are on the internet and on Twitter, I hope somebody can find some grace for them because they have not shown it for others. And we'll see. But from here on out, we're going back to Tom as he as he uh, gets himself situated here for a second. From now on, for the rest of the show, we're talking about sports. We'll continue to talk about sports. We'll leave it that way. That's why you guys all watch this show in the first place. But it does become exhausting having to deal with some of the stuff that we deal with. But that's here nor there. You guys don't give. I don't say you don't care. But we know you want to talk about sports, and we'll keep it that way. Now, what we talk about, I don't know, because we've exhausted the Reds. Well, but we haven't with Tracy. We haven't exhausted the Reds with Tracy Jones. Because he is a man, I don't know if we've ever brought this up, Tracy. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. I don't know if we've ever brought this up, but you played the game. I, I did. I actually, can you see that right there? I played for five major league teams. It's a rock. So, someone made that for me. Very nice. Carved it out. Actually, the rock has a chip in it because the guy said, when I saw you play, you always play with a chip on your shoulder. So it's very cool that someone got me that the other day. You know I like you, it a lot. You know, you, you just... Um... You just made me think of something that I have frequently wondered because in, in anything that I did in life, good, bad, or indifferent, even now, when I'm sitting in the stands at one of my son's lacrosse games, right? Or when I was coaching my son or daughter in basketball. I would do all of those things with a chip on my shoulder, right? <laughs> with some intensity about it and some yes. fire. All right. You were that kind of guy. Did it used to make you crazy playing with guys who maybe didn't have it or, or maybe they had it and they didn't show it? Well, I, I had it out with a manager one time. and I, I said, you know, you're good at getting on me, this guy and this guy. I said, what about so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? They aren't running the ball out. They aren't even running through the base, right? You know those guys. Uh, and he says, Trace, here's the deal. And I'll be honest with you. He says, I can get on you, and I know you will play hard and continue to play hard. There's nothing I can say or do to you to stop you from playing and giving 100%. He says, if I get on this guy, this guy, and this guy, they will shut it down. They won't play for me. And as a manager, remember, you've got to get your guys playing for you and playing hard. And I'll tell you who the best is, is Dusty Baker. I mean, Dusty never gets on his play. I think he's fair, but the players love Dusty, and they play hard for him. So that was just a manager's take. But then you get into the why do you treat someone differently than another guy, and because some guys will shut it down, and they won't play for you. And then you got trouble. And those guys that I were referring to, those were the best players on the team. Okay, but let me ask you this, though. Um, um, you know, I, I, I kind of sprinkled it in there and maybe got – maybe we just didn't get to this part of it. But, but what about the guy – I'm just asking what your perspective was. Not the manager, 
All right. And, and I mean, you bring up a great, it's a great point, great story. But I'm curious, how do you feel? And do players, back when you played, do players now, if you see a guy doesn't run through the bag, do guys get, each, get, get on each other about that anymore? I don't think they do. And I, I, I don't know if it's, a, it's, of course, the manager's job, but it is important that you get on players that aren't hustling. But I think that's up to the veteran players. I mean, if you, I played with Buddy Bell. I, I mentioned Buddy Bell a lot because I got a tremendous amount of respect. Yeah. He, he was oh, great yeah. to me. He was great yep. to my kid when yep. Buddy was with the White Sox. So I owe Buddy a lot. But Buddy would say stuff to players if they did not hustle. I mean, Buddy was the guy that would call you out because he was always the professional. So I think it takes that star player. As far as what I would say, I, I just never said anything to another player because with me, it escalates so fast. You know, I go one to a hundred and now I'm ready to, you know, throw down. So I just kind of kept my self situation Gave 100%, but I never got on another player. It just wasn't my job. I didn't okay. feel comfortable. All right. I, I want to shift gears to um, something we were talking about uh, very early in the show today. You came up with what I would call the last great crop of players <clears throat> at one time that the Reds have had uh, – and this group now is starting to look more and more like that, at least that they have yes. a chance. Now, the For sustained sure. excellence, you know, that, that's a long way to be determined because you've got, you know, just picking two off the top of my head. I mean, you got, you know, Paul O'Neill, who's in uh, Monument Park, and you got Barry Larkin, who's in the Hall of Fame, just to start yeah. with that group. Okay, yeah. so we'll see how it all plays out. But when all of these guys and when all of you guys – were brought up together, and you were right in the mix of all of that. I mean, you know, you're knocking the cover off the ball when you first come to the big <clears throat> Matter of fact, didn't I read the other day before I – I want to get off topic here for a second. Did I hear something the other day that such and such a player had the most hits in their first X number of bats or something like that, uh, it, it, second only yeah. in Reds history, and you were yes. first? Boy, I wasn't going to bring that up. You know, it's in my notes. I, I don't like to talk it's in about your notes myself. And you weren't going to bring it up. Uh, but, you know, I was going to do a shout out to Matt McClain. Uh, but we don't do shout outs, right? We're not Casey Kasem. We're, we're you know, we're a sports <laughs> show. But Matt McClain, I mean, he is outstanding. What he's accomplished is incredible. For a rookie, for a first hundred at bats, he has 35 hits. Who does that? Who is that good to knock the cover off the ball, get 35 hits in your first 100 at-bats? He's second all-time for in Reds history of someone's first 100 at-bats and, and the second most hits at 35. Now, let's think about this. You have Barry Larkin. No. Matt McClain has more hits. Joey Votto. Pete Rose. Johnny Bench, Ken Griffey, he beta Frank Robinson, Frank Robinson. Beta Pinson. I mean, we can just go on and on. Matt McClain is the second all time with hits in this first 
100 at bats with 35. Is that amazing? Incredible. And, and who's, who's number one? Who's first? 29. Tracy Jones. Tracy Jones is number one. You know how much this irritates people watching this right now? <laughs> 30. He wasn't even close. 37 hits, Tom. 37. That, that's for those guys, for the Ham and Eggers, that's 370 average. First, now I know you guys are thinking, if Tracy Jones hadn't got hurt, would he be a better hitter than Joey Votto? I don't know. I mean, that's up for debate, Tom. I think you would probably say could be. Pete Rose, I don't know. Frank Robinson, but, you know, it was out there. And I heard it, and uh, just a shout-out to Matt McClain, what he's accomplished. Now, Dela Cruz, I'm rooting against him. Until he gets those 100 at-bats, <laughs> I hope he goes, oh, I'm rooting against him. But that's a – you know what? I've never heard that stat before a couple days ago, so I get calls on it. You know what is crazy? If that would have been Pete Rose's stat or Joey Votto's stat, we would have heard about it all the time, right? But because it's Tracy Jones, number that, one. That's oh, what struck me about it. You're, right. You're, You're right. right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I mean, you know. So I have some street cred. You I? have a lot of street cred. Okay, so with that in Thank mind, you. that leads me to where I was going initially. Now, when you came up, it was, it was a little bit different because you still had, you alluded to Buddy Bell, was still finishing a great yeah. career. You had Dave Parker, who was finishing a great career. You had some other guys that were around that were veteran guys, and, and, and okay, this Reds team doesn't have those kinds of guys. All of no. these young guys are being brought up. I think they're 5-2 and two since De La Cruz was brought to the big leagues, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they've won a series over the Dodgers. They've won a series over... St. Louis, and they're 1-0 against Kansas City. So we were talking early in the show about, you know, and take us inside the locker room for a minute. You got all these young guys kind of trying to find their way and navigate their way in the big leagues and travel and hotels and blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> Understanding where to go get on the bus in Philadelphia, right? Okay. Right. <laughs> you got all that going on. But – you also have going on the fact that, hey, we're three and a half games out of first. This team, you look at the Pirates, you think they're, they're a lot better than you are? You look at the Brewers, you're thinking, are they really any better than we are? W will the talk start in the clubhouse about, man, I'd like to see the organization go out and make a move here? Oh, yeah, you know, that was always a problem with the teams that I came up with. Remember, they just needed that one pitcher, and, and they were we had the players to trade. We never made that trade. We never made a trade to get that pitcher. Are they talking about making a move now? See, I'm a little different here. I, I, this topic was uh, brought up the other day. I was talking to uh, Amanda Brenneman's husband, and we were talking about would you trade uh, Diaz, would you trade Diaz and, and and because that's a talk to the Mets, right? Have you heard that? Well, I mean that was brought up by John Smoltz, I believe it was, on the MLB Network the other day that that he had heard the Reds might be wanting to trade Alexis Diaz to the Mets, where his brother, of course, is out for the year after the injury in the WBC, right? As yes. a closer. Well, 
Right. You know, I guess see Trent Rosecrans from the athletic immediately shot that down, said not a chance, not a chance, not a chance. Now what he knows, I don't know or doesn't know. I don't know. But, but, but go ahead. The point you're making. No, well, why? See, I think you still are reloading, still adding prospects here. I still think you're a year, maybe two years away. They've got the players, so they need to add. If you can go and get a couple of guys, top of the rotation, okay, kind of like the trade, and this was a horrible trade, but great idea, was in 2015 with Johnny Cueto, when you got Finnegan, Reed, and Lamb. Terrible trade. But yep. they took three pitchers. None of them panned out. So the Reds have been making some good trades. I would trade Diaz if I had the right. I, I want your three best pitchers. The reason that the the cost of that is so high is because you have Diaz for five years, don't you, before he can become a free agent. Yep. He's yep. a very good pitcher. Let me tell you something. My kid around, I've watched that guy pitch. He'd shot me up in a heartbeat. I'd go 0 for 100 off that guy. I wouldn't have 37 hits. I mean, he's he's that good. But yeah. if I can get top-notch rotation in return, I do it. If I can make my, my ball club better, I do trade Diaz. You know, the, the, the only thing, Tracy, though, that, that I – and this was one thing that I, I brought up is that, you know, if, if, if you don't make a move – and I'm going to say they're going to keep Diaz for a minute. I, I'm going to say right. – I'm going to make the argument that if they wanted to be a buyer rather than a seller, okay, to try and get to the playoffs this year, and who knows what happens when you get in the playoffs. I mean, they just played the Dodgers right. three games, beat them two out of three. You know, I don't know what would happen. Nobody else does either. But, no. but you know, I, I just sit there and I say to myself, okay, um, you know, you look at all of those prospects that came up with you, okay, you, unfortunately, you got hurt. And that's going to happen. That's part of the deal. Somebody sooner or later, good Lord willing, it's not true, but we know how it works, whether it be pitcher or position player, right? Another guy might just not pan out. I think we all agreed Cal Daniels looked like he had a chance to be a really good hitter for a long time. Really and good. For a myriad really. of reasons, it didn't happen. Okay? So, you, you, you know... With all the point I'm making is, is with all of these young guys, whether the guys that are here already, but more more importantly, the guys that are down there in the minor leagues. I mean, who's to say that they're gonna make it, right? I don't mean De La Cruz or McLean, or even Strand. Yeah. I took him out of the mix, but but I mean a single A third baseman, a double A shortstop to win today. I mean, I. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but somebody who can help me next year that I've got him kind of under control, like they did with Trevor Bauer a couple of years ago, where I may not be getting right. that guy's best right now, but man, I got him another full year, and that year he ends up winning the Cy Young Award. Yeah, it's just with Diaz, I can find a closer, maybe not as good as Diaz. I just need to get top of the rotation guys to go with Lodolo, uh, Logan, right, and, and right. Green. Ashcraft's a little shaky right now. But if I can find a couple more guys in the, you know, to add to that rotation, man, I'm ready to rock and roll because I have position ballplayers. I think what the organization needs to sit down with the scouts and say, what do we think about Encarnacion? How does he fit in? 
I mean, can we can we trade him? Yeah, or or a royal that shortstop that they got right? Isn't that a twenty year old shortstop that right. is supposed to be pretty? Good? And the kid that they Make all that talk decision. about is this Marte kid. I mean, everybody seems to think, oh. and a lot of people jump in on the chat today that, that that he's a guy that that he's the best of the group. I mean, again, well, he, he, he was southern. Life. He was southern player. He was southern player of the week, I think. But you have to make the decision who you want to keep and who are the possible uh, chips to trade. And that's what they did with the Reds when I came up. You know, let's get rid of Daniels. Let's get rid of Jones. Jones has some issues off the field. Let's get let's let's go with Paul O'Neill, Eric Davis, Sabo, Eric Davis, O'Neill. Who am I missing? On Larkin. Larkin. Let's keep those guys and let's let's get rid of a couple other guys that that we don't see. Stillwell's another guy. Still, I was getting ready to say to, Kurt Stillwell. He was the number Stillwell. one pick, Kurt Stillwell. Yeah, he, he was actually number two in the draft next to Sean Dunstan. Sean Dunstan went number one, and Kurt Stillwell, the finest human being I've ever been around, yep. went yep. number two. So that you get, you make that decision. You trade away those chips. You get pitching in return. That's what they did with the Reds, and then they ended up winning the World Series in 1990. But it's an exciting time for the Reds because there's some great decisions that are going to be made that can make or break this organization. Tough right, ones, let, though. Let me ask you this, though. You know, somebody suggested in the chat, you're the one that brought up based on what John Smoltz said the other night, and you said you would be in agreement with it if the right deal came along. Yeah. With, with, with all of the – look, there's been some excitement over the last week, but let's be honest about it. The last two, three years, a lot of apathy around Terrible. here with the fan base, right? Yeah. A lot of apathy. And it's still not showing up in terms of uh, support at the turnstiles. I'm taking away the Zach Brown ban and, you know, stuff like this. Yeah. You know, the, the, the three games against the Dodgers go 22-19-15. Okay? Terrible. So, all right. Terrible. And that's after De La Cruz comes up the first night of the series. But, but, but what Terrible. I'm getting at here is, even if you got the kind of guys you're talking about, what would that mean? to this fan base, what would it mean to the players in the locker room? If let's say tomorrow, the Reds traded Alexis Diaz or traded Jonathan India. Well, now we're talking totally something different. We're talking about a veteran player that's gonna command some money. I'm, I'm trying to get younger with not, I'm always, I'm always worried, if I'm general manager, always worried about the payroll. We talked about Senzel. You know, he's not a bad player. But like no. you said, he's going to command the money. So he's one of those guys. Jonathan India, where does he play? Now, I understand he's he's an outstanding person and great for the team. But where do you play him? Defensively, he's kind of a liability. Good player. But is he as good as these young players? Marte, I've watched Marte. I've watched him video. He's very, very good, very smooth, just like I told you about Dela Cruz. I've watched a ton of Dela Cruz. I've never yep, seen a player like him. He's yep. that good. He's very exciting. And uh, Amanda's husband thinks the same thing. He really likes uh, Dela Cruz. Amanda's husband? Amanda's getting to be a big star. You see on that uh, Laura's Meat commercials? No. You don't see her with Marty? No, I have not seen him. Oh yeah, is that on? Is that a regular oh, yeah. commercial? Oh, I see it all the time. See, They're I don't get the I don't get I don't get the commercials because I have you. I mean, I have the MLB. 
because I have YouTube TV, so I don't get valleys yeah. or whatever it is. So I have the uh, MLB, what is it called? What is it? MLB TV. Yeah, MLB TV. So that you don't get the commercials. So what is the commercial? No, it's Laura's Lean Meat, and they're selling it, and, and they're just, it's a popular commercial. Ask the, ask the ham and eggers. I'm sure they've seen it Guys, have you time guys and seen time this commercial again. regularly? Laura's Lean? Yeah. Are you doing a bit here, Tom? No, I, I mean, I, I, what I, you, you're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm being totally sincere. I'm assuming these commercials only run, and I've heard them on the radio, but if you're talking yeah. about television, I have YouTube TV, which means I can't get valleys. Okay. Yeah. So that means I have MLB TV, which means I don't get commercials. But I mean, so it, there's been a commercial that could probably have been running for ten years or, or three years on the Reds games, and and I've never seen it. The Marty Marty and Amanda, as the face of Laura's Lean, is as ingrained in Cincinnati culture as Skyline Chili yeah. and Huda Yes. And he's not lying. See that? And I, I mean, honest to God, Tom, I think if you went up to anybody that's younger than maybe. <laughs> 30 oh years God. old and said Marty Brenneman, they would say broadcaster, and then immediately 1B would be Laura's Lane. No, they would say, I know Amanda's husband, right? Yeah, yes. Marty? <laughs> Come on, Tom. Uh, Lucas asked me, how do I watch the Reds on MLB TV if I'm in Cincinnati? I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. Or maybe it's the MLB. It's not MLB TV. It's MLB whatever the thing you pay for. Well, that's MLB TV. You got a VPN? Is that what you're... I, you know, I, that, all that's above my pace. I don't even know what the hell a VPN is. Well, because it's blacked out in the area. So if you want to watch Reds baseball through MLB TV, you got to use a VPN so that your computer thinks you're in like California or something. No, we don't have that. I know that for sure. No. But I mean, I hit the screen, the MLB, right? Logo, sure. right? It I got no idea what you're It gives doing. me a choice for every game in baseball. That sounds like MLB TV. Okay. You outsmarted the system, and, and Tom. I, no, and actually, I can watch, believe it or not, I can watch more times than not, not just the Reds feed. I can watch the out-of-town feed. Okay, so you got MLB TV, and then somehow you outsmarted Rob Manfred. I, I mean, believe me, I haven't outsmarted. I've never been accused of outsmarting anything about it, anybody about anything. Um, all right. Anyway, I digress. Um, Jolly Jolly says, Tom, don't admit anything else. <laughs> All right. uh, okay. He's a funny man, that Jolly Joe. Uh, well, I mean, you know, he's he's from right here in Hamilton, Ohio. And now he's a big wig at Fox Sports. I mean, he travels all over the world. He works Super Bowls. He works World Series. He works NASCAR. He's a big league operator. Big league operator. Isn't he in Southern California? Yes. Isn't he? Is, he he's living in Southern California? Has for a Isn't long, he? long time. You know, I'm from Southern California. I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah, where I see your guy Gavin Newsom, by the way, is out telling everybody he's not running for president, but he's running for president. You know, I want to wish my president, Donald Trump, a happy birthday. Oh His birthday God. is tomorrow. So I just want to wish him a happy birthday. Great man right there. Great for the country. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Did someone just, what, someone just laugh? Who was that? Who was that, J.O.? <laughs> that was Paul. <laughs> I'm not laughing at anything, Tracy. Yeah, you Before are. we let you go, I cannot, under any circumstances, let you go without officially saying hello to Mr. McAllister, who is now a married man. 
A honeymoon for a week. He's back in the saddle. Casey, congratulations. And hey, when the show's over, I want you to email your address so I can send you guys something. I really really am going to send you something. So congratulations. Marriage is very overrated. Did we make any money at the wedding? At the reception, did we we charge people to park, uh, cover charge? I knew we had a shoe shine. I thought Paul was going to be the shoe shine boy. Did we make <laughs> any money? Uh, we we definitely went green. We definitely went green. Um, I don't think we we didn't charge people for parking. Ed, my shoe shiner boy, he he was a no show, so I don't know where where that guy went. But uh, we still made some money. So it was it was all right. We we had a great time. Was, was there any hanky was there any hanky panky at the wedding? No, none at the none at the wedding. No, no, no. Well, funny that business. implies that there may have been elsewhere. The way you just said that, maybe. Oh well, go ahead. Well, I mean, I... <laughs> well, we went to we went on our honeymoon. Right, we only had so after the wedding. I don't know if you guys knew this. I don't know if I talked about this, but the wedding. We didn't get home until like 12 and we're opening up the gifts right away and all really? at midnight, yeah, right? at, at, midnight at one because really? we, we had to get up at three to go to the airport to make it our flight because the flight left at seven. Why would you have to get brother? Up where three? were you staying? Columbus? I, no, no. I mean, hang on. Hold on. Oh, we got to do a you're reset supposed, here. You're supposed to show up two and a half hours early to your flight. Two and a half, two and half, half hours. Yeah, well, and by the way, that's we did, dude, this is not LaGuardia. Whoa, hold on, time out. If all we right. didn't show up at that two and a half hours early, we would have been late to our flight. We would have been extremely late. We barely made it on the plane. So you were probably that flying many like a Legion or something like that, where there's a long line and you're checking yes, bags. We and all. Okay, flying. I've been down there. I've been down that road. Tracy's never been there, but I, I've been there. I no, I, I forgot. No. I'm talking to a bunch of elitists here. <laughs> I've flying American. Okay. No, well, I have big been leaguers, many huh? times on a Legion. Well, anyway. I should have given oh. you our tickets because we just had a thing expire. Oof. Oh. Yeah, that would have been a good oh, gift, Tom. A little too late. Do yeah, they really. even have first class on Allegiant Airline? Do they have a first class? No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I, <didn't laughs> I don't believe so. I won't be flying them. Yeah, I won't be flying them. It's all first class. It's The whole plane is first class, Tracy. Oh, please. No, I've seen those videos. It's, <laughs> no. it's like festival seating. It's not good. It wasn't good. All but, right, so go ahead. But so anyways. You, you got up at three. Was the security line long or was it the bag line oh, for a no. bag C- CVG operations is just terrible. I think they're Allegiance. the best. Oh, wow. I did too. They weren't very good. I think they do a I, great job. I've never checked a bag for an Allegiant flight. I've only I've only flown Allegiant and Frontier twice because I'm honest to God, it's nothing against them. I'm just too tall for the seats. I can't do it. Like I physically can't sit in those seats. And I've never checked a bag, though, because I always, like, if I'm flying them, it's quick enough that I can just get some work at bag. So was it the it was a bag thing? Well, the, the bag check-in was bad. And I don't know if, if it was just, you know, that Sunday morning rush. I don't know if there's anything like that there. How long was but, the security line? I mean, we were going through TSA for about... I want to say like 40 minutes. Oh my God. I've never, 
Holy cow. Yeah, good good on you then, Casey. Yeah, I mean, but good Lord. The, the check-in was even longer because they yeah, only had they only had one line open ah. for about 25 minutes and it was the priority line. The priority Ooh. line. They didn't have anything else That's opened a tra- up. That should be nicknamed the Tracy Jones line. Of course. It should be. I think hey, hey guys, before I, I have some breaking news, and I just thought I would, before you guys cut me off, um, I don't know if, have you heard the rumor that Marty and Amanda might take over for Pat Sajak and, and Vanna White on Will of Fortune? Have you heard that rumor at all? Because everybody's talking about it here in Bellevue. Tom, have you heard anything about it? See, that nobody knows be, where Marty is. That must, be a, Marty that, that must be a Bellevue thing. I mean, that'd be a dynamite show. Can't right? you just see I him up there together? Him calling the person who gets no. it wrong a dumbass? Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can you see that? Her yes, I can. Trying to pat him on the back and prop him up a little bit? Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I could hear Marty go, here we go again. Wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> All right, Tracer. Have a great day. Good to see you, my man. Thanks for your time. 37 hits in his first 100 at-bats. Everybody's Tracy talking about that, too. Jones, they are. Tracy Jones. All right. No, see, see you guys on Thursday. All right. You, you, guys, you, you guys didn't even know that, did you? No. No. We'll learn they something they talked about it the other day. And they weren't making a big deal about it being Tracy Jones. It kind of bummed me out a little bit. Because, I mean, Tracy said it, and he's right, but it's what I was thinking. If that would have been Joey Votto or Pete Rose or Frank Robinson or Johnny Bench, hell, if it had been Adam Dunn, if it had been Austin Kearns, they'd have been talking about that. They didn't want to talk about it being Tracy Jones. Kind of bummed me out a little bit. All right. Um, We got a cherry on top? We do. All right. Have at it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to intro this. I think we're just going to let the video speak for itself. Good. Three weeks ago today, the Cardinals defeated Bronson Arroyo on a Wednesday afternoon to pull off a three-game sweep. Everybody and his brother across America said the Cardinals will take off and the Reds are all but dead. Well, nobody down in that clubhouse believed it because ever since then, the Reds are 13-4 and four, and they have gained eight games in the National League Central. They've gone from one down and with a win here tonight, they would have a nine-game swing and be eight ahead with 30 games to go in this season. Are you believing? Are you believing? Sometimes you just are you believing? Just gotta believe, Tom. Are you gotta believe. That was it. That, that was the Mets. You gotta believe. Of nineteen sixty nine, they won the World Series. I remember Ron Sano told me sixty nine was the uh, the season the Cubs collapsed. They had this huge lead in August. September comes along, kind of like very similar to what you just heard the Reds idea. And the Mets just boat race to the end. Came out of nowhere, right? Tom Seaver, all these guys. And so, Sano, you know, I mean, you, you bring up the 69 Cubs. They are almost as popular as the 16 Cubs that won the World Series, even now. 
okay? People old enough to remember. Everybody loved that team. Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, Ron Santo. Blah, blah, blah. Ron Santo tells the story of being in Las Vegas. Season was over. He's out there with two of his teammates. They're standing at some casino. World Series is on. And I think it was Frank Robinson. I think. Could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it's right. At least he told me the story. Frank Robinson is on the screen as Baltimore wins game one of the World Series. And everybody's picked Baltimore to steamroll the Mets, right? And says something to the effect of, hey, we got a better team. We're taking care of these guys, no problem. And Sano says he looked at the two guys and he said, that's all she wrote. The Miracle Mets, you got to believe they're going to win it all now. And that they did. That they did. All right. I want to thank everybody for being with us here today. Hope you've enjoyed the program. Uh, thanks for many of you uh, being here, liking the show. Um, had a lot going on here today. Things will be a little more tame, we hope, tomorrow. All right. We're not going to put Elliot in a bad spot today. We love Elliot. <laughs> We'd love him a little more if his Z Brazilian air would hit. Oh, yeah. yeah. A what? Well, his. His new thing he's doing, he's, he's putting together a parlay every day. Yes, he's and it hadn't hit yet. He's a quick 0 for 3. Well, that's okay. A lot of guys start 0 for 3. Is it 5? It's 0 for 3. 3. Okay. Well, do we know what it is he's today? He's got to win. Up? He's got to win today or else we're pouring water on Are him. Are you in the doing a show now? No, we're do, we're, it's yeah. post-produced content on Twitter. Okay. Follow Not Too Picky. Yeah. Okay. All right. Not Too Picky on Thursday. Okay. Which, by the way, before we close the show off, like the stream. We are so close to we 100. Are. Come on, people. We are very close. We had 200 people in this chat, and we're not even at 100 200 yet. plus. Come on. I know you're thinking about it. It's really, see, it's really simple, really easy. All right. Good enough. Uh, guys, thanks for uh, everything today. Great job today, Case. Paul. Good Jake. Stuff. Elliot. We love you, Elliot. <laughs> Elliot, Elliot, you're our guy. We got you, right? Got you. Sammy, what's <laughs> going on? All right, everybody, have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll look forward to seeing you again on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers, tomorrow. Have a good day.